where we're looking at at something as simple as cleaning. Now, you would think cleaning a surface, and you've got people that do it, all of you guys have got people that do it, you would think that's a pretty straightforward process. Do you know there are nine separate variables to measure in a simple act of cleaning a surface? So when you come to the science of what you're doing, um, you've got to control things so that you don't have uh, uncontrolled variables is the technical term, but it means that you've actually measured what you're intending to measure. And, and look, it's it's all about cleaning is one thing, and and uh, disinfecting is another. They're two quite different issues. So one of the research issues that we're running, we're about to restart a program that was subject to COVID interruptus, um, which is my research technical term. You know, to say that. Trademark. Had to stop for a while. Yeah, um, yeah trademark. Yeah, um, where we're looking at at something as simple as cleaning. Now, you would think cleaning a surface, and you've got people that do it. All of you guys have got people that do it. You would think that's a pretty straightforward process. Do you know there are nine separate variables to measure in a simple act of cleaning a surface? Yeah. So, when you come to the science of what you're doing, um, you've got to control things so that you don't have. Uh, uncontrolled variables is the technical term, but it means that you've actually measured what you're intending to measure. And um, and we're running research projects looking at that where we've controlled all the variables and we're, we've published one piece of work which Dave's aware of. Um, one of the things we've worked on over many years is biofilms, true biofilms, bacterial biofilms. We've shown that uh, bacteria are really clever at working out how the cleaning systems don't work so well. So at hospitals, where we used to use this thing called universal precautions, which morphed into standard precautions, which morphed into standard precautions plus additional precautions, which morphed into uh, aerosol-based precautions and surface-based precautions and transmission-based precautions, it's cleaning, okay? Forget all that, it's just cleaning. And the old way of doing it was you'd clean and then you'd dump some chlorine on top of it. And uh, the bugs actually worked out a long time ago that if they produce a nice biofilm, um, a lot of cleaners just, the cleaning is so ordinary that all they're doing is giving the bacteria a bit of a wash and a feed. You know, they hide in the surfaces, the little micro cracks, they give them a wash and a feed. And then sometimes later the chlorine comes by and they go, quick, dive into the biofilm. And in a biofilm, we've proven that standard Staph aureus, which is one of the, Golden staff is one of the standard transmission-based bugs in healthcare and elsewhere, is up to 20,000 times more resistant to chlorine once that bug is in a dry surface biofilm. Very specific micro methods. All this stuff is published. What's more, we've also shown that they can survive standard autoclaving, um, which is pretty terrifying as well once you put them in a biofilm. Mm. So... Um, Looking at this cleaning stuff is really important because when we took those biofilm bugs and we put them just got a standard culture and popped them on a surface and then grew them in a dry surface biofilm and popped them on the surface and cleaned next to each other, what we found was water and microfiber, we didn't even use any chemistry, would get rid of 99.9% of the bugs with a single wipe. But when you put them in a dry surface biofilm, those same, st- same Staph aureus, 
it resisted 50 times wiping. After 50 times wiping, you only got rid of the first 90%. So if you had, say, 100 million bugs on the surface to start and you remove 90% of them, you've only got 10 million bugs left. <laughs> but if the infective dose is 200, you've got 500,000 times more than you need. <laughs> so what is so, evolving? Is it the biofilm evolving or is it the bug evolving? Both. The bug produces the biofilm. And an important thing for cleaners, the biofilm is not the muck. Like we all shed billions of skin cells a day. There's oils. You know, if you're in a school, there's kids doing stuff. If you're wherever you're cleaning, there's always dirt and grime. Biofilms are very specific. Their simplest definition, Bobby, is that um, it's the bacteria creating a safe little place to live for itself and its friends. So they produce this stuff. Uh, largely, it's a, a thing called a polysaccharide. It's a complex type of the sugar. Um, it, it can vary between a slime and uh, a spiderweb type material. And each bug does it differently. And every context does it differently. So the biofilm you'll get on, say, a soap bar that you leave where it goes green, that's usually Pseudomonas, is very different from the biofilm in the sink itself. So I was in a neonatal intensive care unit a couple of weeks ago, and we were worried about a bug called Serratia marcescens, which is a horrible bug. It can infect the kids. It's a gram negative, um, hard to kill, mainly lives in the sinks. But that's different from, say, Staph aureus or vancomycin resistant enterococci, which are wonderful biofilm producers, particularly VRE. And it will live on dry surfaces right throughout a standard intensive care unit. So we, one of, one of our team members published some work some years ago in an American journal, the uh, journal called Infection Control and Hospital Epidemiology, where they were tracking this bug through the ICU. And about midway through the study, they looked at all of the different objects in the ICU. And there was VRE on everything because it wasn't being cleaned and people weren't washing their hands. And it was being I transmitted. Knew, I, I just knew, talking with Dr. Grant as many, many times as I have, that we would get the biofilms before it took very long. And it, gentlemen, you can see it did not take very long. And we forgot all about disinfectants, right? It's cleaning and biofilms. Well, if I'm listening to the good doctor correctly, it's cleaning is the issue. More Absolutely. than disinfecting. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the the thing with the bugs is they're really good at <laughs> learning what disinfectant does what. And uh, you can't beat effective cleaning. If they're if they're gone, they're they're not there. And so effective cleaning, and it's it's certainly in our area. I mean, we make all sorts of disinfectants. We've got parasitic acids at one end, down to quaternary ammonium biocides down at the other, you know, and a whole pile of stuff in the middle. Um, we do antiseptics, so we've got alcohol-based hand rubs that are registered with the Australian TGA, their medicines, through to quaternary-based foaming hand soaps that are not registered, you know, and they all work. We test them all, you know, go off to the end of the pen. But you want to clean? Got to clean, got to remove them. You have stayed very quiet for one of the first times ever on, on our show. I'm just wondering, did you catch the fact that he mentioned there's nine steps to cleaning? Yes, I've been making notes. I, uh, I you know, for once I'm in the, the presence of greatness. 
No offense, guys. No. <laughs> no, you're not. No, no, no. It's it's just I'm not. I don't normally work in those circles. Anyway, he's speaking my language, man. I love this. I, I do have some questions. I'm I'm curious because you said some things, and I want to clarify in case somebody's listening to this and doesn't get it. You said these these uh, going back to your oils. You said the oils were toxic, meaning in their pure form, 100% whatever. Uh, they're toxic to us or everything. Environment. Well, yeah, it's a great question, Tom. So. I should have added, of course, there's a whole bunch of oils that are food oils, you know, but the, the ones we're talking about that are toxic are generally the ones that are going to be biologically active as some sort of antimicrobial substance, whether they're antifungals or, or you know, antibacterials uh, or even an antiviral. Um, um, generally, the way those things work is uh, they're going to um, disrupt uh, membranes and uh, so as humans we all have a cell membrane around our cells but bacteria don't they have both a cell wall and a cell membrane and 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 the cell wall is cellulose so it's like a uh, plant-based material so the bioavailable oils again tea tree oil and um, uh, eucalyptus oil um, thymol Thymol's got some great disinfecting properties. Thymol's a bit interesting because you can use thymol as a food, but it's very diluted as a food. Um, and of course, you can use antiseptic and tea tree oil as, or use tea tree oil, I should say, and uh, eucalyptus oil as antiseptic. So in, in the context, they're fine. But you've got to be very careful with the toxemia for some of these things. And, uh, um, you know, to get thymol to really, um, you know, step up a level, there are some toxemia issues you've got to be aware of and be careful with. Um, I mean, it's an antiseptic, for example, for, I don't know if you've ever seen this done. Have you ever seen the way they uh, anesthetize fish in uh, in research? Yeah. They tip in a bit of thymol. Yeah. Thymol, you know, whoop, they all float to the surface. Then you pick them up, <laughs> put them back where you want them, you know. You had me back when you were talking about mercury and methylate because I put that orange stuff on me many, many times as a kid. And I'm oh. thinking, that, that probably explained a few things. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry, Don. That's not going to explain all of your twitches. I, I, oh, no, okay. I'm not gonna like that. can't use that as an excuse. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because no. it still goes on today. And I don't think it has that long of an effect. <laughs> well, there's but, other. other. There's Doctor, other you, I can attribute that to. Doctor, can you go through the nine steps of uh, cleaning? Well, I what I'll do is somebody to ask that question. I was about ready to say, it sounds like we've got a whole nother broadcast for that one. Or is that, it can't like bullet point it? There's not like nine uh, steps to cleaning bullet look, point. I, I, I've got a really nice graphic that I'll send through to Dave from yeah. the original paper. The original paper is in the American Journal of Infection Control uh, from some years ago. Uh, the two authors are uh, a now retired professor from Canada, a gentleman by the name of Sayed Sattar, and his co-author uh, is uh, a, a, a Frenchman who lives in Wales, in Cardiff, and uh, uh, Jean-Yves Mallard. And uh, they've got a great paper, and it's got a nice little graphic. But look, the, the simple, simple summary is to think of cleaning, of what are the things you're doing with cleaning? Well, the first thing is... Are you going to use a cloth or are you going to use paper? And uh, what sort of cloth are you going to use? So straight away you've got multiple variables just in the cloth or paper because what sort of paper, what sort of cloth? 
-hmm. Is it a soft cloth? Is it microfiber? Um, are you going to use a microfiber dry or are you going to use it wet? Or if it's not microfiber, is it dry or wet? Is it a polishing cloth or is it a standard cotton cloth? And then if you're going to use a liquid to do the cleaning, is it detergent? So is it pH neutral? Is it mildly acidic? Is it a chelating agent? So there's a whole bunch of chemistry issues in there. Is it going to work? You know, that'd be handy if it's, uh, if it's going to work. Um, is it a disinfectant? Oh, well, that's, that's different again. Are you going to do a cleaning and then disinfect? And, and then what about the surface? The surface is, is it a piece of stainless steel? Are you cleaning a school desktop that probably should have been thrown away 20 years ago, but it's now got your engraving marks from when you were in primary school still on it? You know, that's... So the surface is relevant. And then what's the general context? Are we talking about something in a school or is it a food court in a, a public area? Or is it a hospital and we're cleaning a return tray above a hospital bed or a, a surface in a nurse, nurse's a workstation or a healthcare worker's nurse station, they call them these days. And, um, you know, it's a computer keyboard. We did this wonderful piece of work where we grew bugs on keyboards. And oh, showed oh, that, uh, VRE, if you want, you want VRE, I don't know, you can see my mouse, but it's that side of the mouse that's got the VRE and the, even the mouse pad. But chairs. So one of the things we found were alive with MROs in ICUs. This is a, another study we published called Finding the Bad Bugs in a Busy ICU. And um, when people walk up to a chair in an ICU to work in the workstation, what do they do? Well, the first thing is they touch the back of the chair and pull the chair back. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the bugs are? Because they haven't got washed hands. <laughs> Their hands are right, and then they, they touch the handles and then they reach down and adjust. Hang on a second, I get the height right. Everywhere that gets touched is where the bugs are. So there's, there's most of the variables, Bobby, but then it gets more complex because with all due respect, you look like a fairly strong, healthy, you know, adult male. So you go, geez, this is a bit of a dirty surface. I better give it a vigorous wipe. Are you wiping fast or are you wiping slow? How much are you you're really putting your elbow into it or are you not? Now, that's very different from, say, Mrs. Sanchez, who's, who's you know, a recent uh, American resident. No green card here, of course, because she's become a resident. So, uh, oh, actually, she gets a green card. But anyway, Mrs. Sanchez is working and she's, she's a very experienced cleaner, but she's only five foot two and weighs, you know, 68 pounds dripping wet. Um, and she's very strong, but is she going to have the... Uh, strength to endure that sort of Bobby's Eggers pressure for four full hours across all of the school desks that she's got <laughs> cleaning? Or is she going to give it a bit of a gentle, I'm removing the surface dust? So now, now I got I to gotta ask, how do you know that Bobby's going to scrub that hard? How, how do you know Bobby isn't just going to give it that way? I'm just going off my personal opinion from watching the podcast. I'm very impressed. And I thought, you know, that's a good way to look at it. So, there you uh, go, Dave. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry. I got. I just got to put that in there. But yeah, you're talking about all of the variables that go with every one of these steps, correct? That's correct. And when you're testing products, so this is where there's even the large multinationals are struggling with this, and we're seeing false claims about biofilms uh, because they're using the wrong method on the wrong surface. So there's a wet method you can grow biofilms with. 
which is fine if you want to clean the toilet and the drain. Uh, and, and look, the method that we pioneered is now internationally, uh, 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 an international standard method for cleaning endoscopes. So it's a very different beast. But the dry surface biofilm method hasn't even been picked up by the EPA yet. It's internationally published. <clears throat> and again, they've been a bit busy during COVID. So they've had a bit to do, but they will circle back around. And, and as I say, we're about to go back in and start regenerating some, some real data and publishing real data. And uh, the, the, the way that you clean a dry surface, we're not sure we've even got an answer yet because we've got one published study. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a lot more work to do. And the method to grow the biofilms, you'll love this, guys. This was our hypothesis, right? Our hypothesis was to get the biofilms to look in the lab like they look in real life was that we had to emulate an average hospital cleaner, which means they used a neutral detergent. <laughs> and so you grow, grow the bugs in a biofilm and then you take them out and then you dehydrate them for a few days and they don't get any washing or feed. And they, they get a bit sick. They're like, oh, oh, you know, and they're not quite dead. So you shove them back in the biofilm reactor, give them a couple more days of, of, of food and drink and pull them out and dehydrate them again and let them dry right out there. But every time you do it, they get stronger. Well, after it, it takes nearly 10 days and then you get these little coupons. So they're about the size of a uh, silver dollar and uh, or a, a quarter. And uh, uh, they've got all this dry surface biofilm. And when you look at it under an electron microscope, it looks exactly the same as what you would see on a really dense biofilm on a hospital surface. So they're what we call morphologically identical. And, uh, and then in terms of their genetics, they're, they're, they're different. One of the things the bugs do, which we've also proven or our team has proven, is that as the bugs grow in a biofilm, a dry surface biofilm in particular, the cell wall gets thicker. So the nature of their resistance is twofold. Not only are they getting what's called inherent resistance, they're evolutionary, they're primed to work out how they can live in the environment they're living in and they adapt to it. But that's also different from, say, um, multi-drug resistance where they're swapping small pieces of encoded protein, often in a biofilm, sometimes in a patient, sometimes in a surface, sometimes in a slime, and they all talk to one another and share pieces of, of genetic material that allow them to learn resistance to antibiotics. So, so the thing is, area of science, but for cleaners who have no idea about it, it should be terrifying, but they're like, eh, I'm going home in an hour, just <laughs> So it's really the biofilm when you go down to this, passive cleaning, the disinfectants, the, the ratings on it and everything, is it cleaning the biofilm and is that chemical or abrasion? Well, it's both. That's why there's nine variables because it's, it's all important. It's Not all one important. more than another. No, they're all important, Dave. And, and we've shown that time and again, even cleaning endoscopes. So, you know, you don't just use a liquid detergent system. And we've had patented detergents in that area for, for so long now, the patterns have just about gone. Um, but you have to use them with a brush. So down these tiny little channels, <clears throat> down there, they're scrubbing a brush down and up and down the channel. And the nurses do that between each patient before the endoscope then gets either high-level disinfected or sterilised. And then they do a manual clean most of the time, 
as well as the machines do a chemical clean. But the machines can't do the physical cleaning. You've still got to remove, because, you know, in an endoscope, you don't just have biofilms. You've also got biological soil. So any body orifice that you've got, we've got an endoscope that we can stick into it and uh, with a camera stuck at the end that we can see. And um, in, the, in the case of surgical scopes, if you don't have a hole, we'll make one and stick it in anyway. So that's what laparoscopes are. And uh, now, Javier, I, I think the thing is, it sounds like you're going to have to do a lot of scrubbing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I couldn't agree more with Dr. Whiteley as far as is as, as, um, as that everything is important. I mean, that, that, is, that is so true. I mean, it's not only the product, but the abrasion, everything like we like just mentioned. It's, it's absolutely true. You got to have those, those steps in order to, to, to actually, you know, really be you know, successful or achieve the goal that you're trying to do with that. The, the actually really cleaning. I agree 100%. Right. Yeah, and educating our customer base, the difference between a biofilm and biological, well, you just said it, doctor, but uh, the biological residue or whatever it might be. Yep. Like the difference between dirt and a biofilm. Like that's a, that's right. That's probably gets confusing. Uh, a bit. It is confusing. And let me tell you, this is literally just work with our team has just published. We're looking at biofilms in chronic wounds. So these are people who usually have type 2 diabetes. They've got what's called diminishing vascularization, and they get a, a cut or a, something goes wrong on their foot. Usually, can be on the underside of their foot or the top side of their foot, and they don't even notice it because the nerves have already started to die away, and and it gets worse and worse and worse, and you get a biofilm. So that we did this work where we got trained clinical staff, so podiatrists and doctors, to look at the wounds to identify the areas with biofilm, and they were half right, quite literally. <laughs> So that, can't, you can't see it, then, and it's one of the ironies in healthcare is how do we how do we do cleaning monitoring in healthcare? I mean, we go in and have a look or a smell. It's like you can't see a biofilm. I mean, you know, so we're, it's a ridiculous scenario where we're looking with our eyes to see what we can't see. So does an ATP meter not measure the biofilm, or does it? Oh, I was I was taking you right there, Bobby. <laughs> So you, just, they, you, you just went down a whole nother path there. Talking clean in a dirty world. Talking clean in a dirty world.